Welcome back to The Deep Fade. My name is Zach Elliott, joined today by Mr. Producer Brendan. How are hello, you hello. I'm great as always. Right on. A couple things to get into this week. We're going to start off just running down the slate of NBA games last night. We just came out of the All-Star break, so 12 games, 24 teams, and taking a look at everything that has happened in the last 24 hours and then jump over to what will end up being our first look at the NFL draft. Doing a mock top 10, quite transparently, have not exactly um, done the, the Zapruder film deep dive into all of these guys, but coming in with initial thoughts on at least the first round type players, uh, list out a mock, and then also talk about some of the QB rumors and just free agent Hubba Blue that is informing how we feel about both the draft, the prospects, and the NFL offseason as a whole. But without further ado, 12 games last night, several not of note, a few of at least some interest, and I tried to at least jot down one question for each team coming into each of these games. So starting off with the I hope you're a fan of these teams games. Nets at Raptors. The Nets is their first game without Jock Vaughn after firing him during the All-Star break. And then how does that look? And then for the Raptors, just is Scotty's primary scoring role being reinstituted as he becomes more familiar with RJ? And quickly, RJ's numbers especially have gotten better, but it's just that reallocation of resources within the team construct where Scotty is your best player. He's an All-Star. He has developed way more than he did in his second season coming into his third in a way that makes you a lot more confident in that pick and having him as a cornerstone. But even last night, like, he's 18, 12, and 3, which is awesome, and they won by almost 30. But, again, I want him to stay close to 20 points. I want him to even ascend above that with his clear on ball and just ball handling prowess as a guy that should be the one at the point of the attack. I like him get tired of watching Emmanuel quickly dribble the air out of the ball, but I am optimistic that this is closer to the version of the Raptors. We'll see the rest of the season where they will beat up on the really bad teams, which without Jacques Vaughn, it seems that the Nets definitely are going to be not that Vaughn was some preternatural coaching genius, but just a midseason coaching change for a team that's already on the downswing is a death now. So Nets um, look every chance to fade them the rest of the way. The Raptors, honestly, I want to see Scotty score a little more. Pistons at Pacers. Indiana wins 129-115. I guess the question for the Pistons, because there's nothing to, to really draw from too many individual games this season, we're not looking ahead to playoff matchups for them. I was thinking between Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, Asar Thompson, and Kate Cunningham. If you have to keep two of the four, who is it? Now, this is a little bit more complicated with Cade as the furthest along in his contract, but I think in many ways, at different points of the season, we've been more excited or more optimistic about the other three, especially as Ivey has... For whatever reason, he was in the doghouse in the first place. He has worked his way out of it to be a starter, to overcome the dead weight that is Killian Hayes. May he rest in peace. I have settled on 
Ivy and Durin. And that is not a disservice to Asar Arcade, just because one, Ivy, I think just turned 22, is still plenty young enough to be talked about in this way as a development team. A developmental piece over the next four or five years, which is how long it's going to take, probably at minimum, to actually make this team competitive. And then Dern is like turbocharged athletically Jared Allen, where he has those passing chops. He can really affect the game as a defender and centers with ball skills. Like, it's a greater point to talk about how every year it seems it's like, oh, you can always pick up a, a throwaway center on the trade market or on the buyout market that can slot in and play 18 minutes, 20 minutes. One, doesn't seem that those guys are actually flying around. It seems of somewhat note when Isaiah Stewart, who got suspended for three games, punches the Suns' backup center in Drew Eubanks because it fundamentally affects the Suns' front court death. And credit to Drew Eubanks for apparently taking it like a stone-cold killer, but also just not dying because I am sure that I would be reincarnated after an Isaiah Stewart punch. On the other side, Indy, I mean, double-digit wins against crappy teams. They are currently sitting at double-checking sixth in the East. Their offense is still second in the league, only behind Boston. I mean, this is still reflective of all that. Keep beating up on bad defenses. They're a team that I don't think can make any significant round one noise because once they get there whatever team that they're going to face up against right now that looks like it would be milwaukee is probably going to go tit for tat with them offensively and then i know the dark river jokes are flying and i'm in love with many of them but against a more experienced team i just don't trust that shoddy of a defense to win four games out of seven Knicks at Sixers, Knicks win 110, Philly 96. Going back to some of the stuff we were talking about prior to the break, is New York the team behind the Celtics? This only affirms that claim. Without Embiid, it's certainly not the Sixers. And so if you're arguing between the Knicks and the Cavs, who we'll get to next, again, we're going to take this small sample size and try to draw as much value out of last night as we can. The Knicks continue to look like a dominant Defensive team and between Brunson, Bogdanovich, adding uh, Adenobi, having these guys in, in the wings to score. Mitchell Robinson as an elite role man and just both drop defender but athletic enough to step out and recover on defense. They are the defensive counter to the Celtics, whether or not they can actually match points with them over the course of a series I don't believe we're only about 30 games less in the season so we have to do over the course of a series talk it looks to be the case between them and Cleveland now can Philly survive in the top half of the east until Embiid is back that is a greater and more existential question right now they're sitting at fifth in the east only I believe one game above the Pacers because they have two less losses. Their overall ratings are still solid, but if you look since Embiid, they've had, by many accounts, the worst defense in the NBA just below Charlotte and then have been a lower half offense. Maxi can only do so much, and despite 
Paul Reed, Blue Demon Legends, best efforts. If you can't crack 100 points in today's NBA, even against a team like the Knicks, there's something fundamental wrong. Embiid needs to come back even at like 70% for them to last. I I would sincerely be afraid of falling into the plan. Because right now, the team sitting right below the Pacers at 31-25 is the Magic, who just beat the Cavs 116-109. to So far this season, the Magic are the best team against the spread. And their existential fundamental question is, can they continue to overperform? Games like this suggest yes. Mo Wagner puts up 22. Cleveland shows a weird weakness to size, and then I just have to have my eye on Cleveland because we've been watching since that Mitchell and Allen run without Garland and Mobley where it seems like they just seem to understand their team way more cohesively than they did with all four of those quote-unquote stars together. Now that they're back... They went on a great stretch, I think 9-2 and two still in their last 11 with all four of those guys. But if we're getting out of the honeymoon phase where those guys are back and it starts to look clunky again, granted, Orlando is one of the best defenses in the league, but I need to, I need to see Cleveland bounce back from this because right now, Orlando, despite being in the seventh seed, I think is better than Indiana and has been playing certainly a lot better than Philly. So Philly, watch out. Magic are on the rise. I think that they, of those three teams, the Pacers, the Magic, and the Sixers, I think the Magic are going to finish the highest given Embiid's injury. Suns at Mavericks. Uh, My question was, is Beal going to play? And no. They lose by 10, 123 to 113 to Dallas. Kyrie is still marvelous when healthy, which is, again, my question for them always. Can Luka and Kyrie stay on the floor together defensively? With their additions, it certainly seems like it. Like, there were plays where they had Kleber guarding Durant one-on-one, and it didn't go well, but at least he has the strength and more foot speed than you'd think to affect it. And then Washington and Gafford, despite the relative lack of size there, between the two of them positionally. Washington being a a slightly undersized forward and Gafford a slightly undersized center. They still make a difference where funneling people towards them, two younger athletic players, seems to make a lot of difference. And again, at least they're not Grant Williams. There was an eight-point swing in the first quarter, Kyrie by himself, where he like gets a nasty step back mid-range and then back-to-back pull-up transition threes. It just feels overwhelming. And Luka does this all the time, but when Kyrie does it, it's quicker. And so you have that change of pace, that jab to Luka's crosses, and that's how, even on a night where Booker puts up 35, it never really felt in doubt after the first half. Celtics at Bulls, nothing to really glean here. Boston 129, Chicago 112. Derek White, 28, he should have... 28 points. He should have been an all-star. He continues to be marvelous in pick and rolls with Porzingis. Uh, There's a whole media cycle this week about Jason Tatum talking about himself as the future face of the league when LeBron retires. Um, Brendan, I know you're waiting on the football stuff to get into it, but 
how much do you know about Jason Tatum? Mm, I know, man, I, I don't want to say this on air, but I just know that he's a Kobe Bryant meat rider. That's the only thing I know about him. My point exactly. And he's kind of a baby from what I know. On the Bulls side, oh, that we could do two hours. True, false, true, false. You're not wrong. I'm just trying to move on because okay. you said meat rider. All right. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know how else to put it, man. I'm sorry. You asked. The rest of the year, I think, is just focused on getting as much time, as much run for Kobe and Io as possible. Levine's not coming back. And I guess just maintaining Vucevic's trade value. Resigning DeMar is what it is. They're just going to lose by 20 points, 15 points to good teams and play out the string. Good for them. Rockets at Pelicans. New Orleans 127, Houston 105. Coming into it, I was wondering if the Rockets could maintain what was before this game a top five defensive rating. Does not seem so. And can the Pelican Stars maintain offensive consistency? It seems much more the case. They win by 22 against a team that a lot of the season has been predicated on defense. I think a healthy Pelicans team are top three in the West, even over the course of this game. Again, when they are clicking and when they are all healthy, they did this against the Clippers right before the break, too. It never really feels in doubt. Clippers, speaking of, them playing the Thunder, OKC wins 129-107. to It's a battle of no quality size because I've... I've increasingly found that, especially without Zubats, the Clippers' offense can struggle a bit, and then they just do not have backline help. And teams, not even necessarily like the Minnesotas of the world, that can kill you with their size between Reed, between Carl Anthony Towns, and between Gobert. Even teams like the Thunder, where you have guys like SGA and Dort and Jalen Williams, the first and the last specifically, who are just so dominant as drivers from the guard and forward positions that if you don't have someone big enough to deter them, they're going to eat you up all game, as Shea did again. Jokic, who is who we're talking about next year, put up a 15-15 and 15 on 100% shooting. I saw the I saw someone make the point that the reason guys like SGA or even guys who have been performing really well this season like Donovan Mitchell or um, similar guards like Curry the last several years because they aren't putting up the massive triple doubles or have the as well-rounded stats as guys like Jokic and Giannis. They don't get as much MVP buzz. I think that the Thunder would be like in the play-in without Shea. And right now they're the second best team in the West and have top five ratings on offense and defense. A lot of that goes to Dagnall, too, who I think is the runaway coach of the year at this point. I think that you can make a case for maybe Ty Lue for integrating Harded in so well, but like how dominant they've been with some clear deficiencies on a young team is remarkable. And Shea's still plus 200 for MVP. I just think there's a a world where that gets much shorter very fast. So if it gets any longer, maybe toss a couple bucks down. Wizards at Nuggets. I saw something. Kuzma is one of the best players in the league in transition, and it shows, but that's only a small percentage of their possessions, and he has been 
I think for a lot of the season, pretty abominable operating in the half court. Some of that is, lays at the feet of their big offseason acquisition, Jordan Poole, not being able to actually inbound a ball correctly. But I think that like the Bulls with Vucevic or DeRozan, the Wizards' job the rest of the season is to build up the value of guys like Kuzma and even Poole just to see what they can get in the offseason because they certainly are not sniffing anywhere close to the playoffs in the next two seasons. I don't know what the value of keeping Kuzma around is, and Poole is just better off not on your team in the first place. The Nuggets, I mean, they won by 20, so like this is kind of a moot point. I was just keeping an eye on it because they are bottom five against the spread. So they have not been dominant, certainly not in the way that they have been in years past when everyone is healthy, certainly last year. It it reads a little bit like the Heat to me, where it's just a regular season malaise, but the Nuggets are better and I guess have a bit more just caring about individual games. I don't know if that's the best way to phrase it. They... They show up for big games and then still have nights like this where they're just so damn good that they smack around teams like the Wizards for 20-point leads. Uh, Jokic is still amazing. Again, keep an eye on SGA, but he has reclaimed his crown as the best player unequivocally, and I think, honestly, even if Embiid was healthy, that he would still be the frontrunner. Hornets at Jazz. Uh, don't watch games like this, but Charlotte 115, Utah 107. I would prefer that the Hornets be relegated other than Brandon Miller. Um, that's their fourth in a win in a row, which, like, I didn't know that this was going to be the Trey Mann and Masali Micic and Grant Williams renaissance season, but rock on, I guess. I think that the Jazz's whole goal is just to stay in the play-in convo after these trades. They're still a developing roster. Markinen's still awesome. Hardy, I think is one of the five best coaches that we have right now. But they have no real incentive because I think that they're going to go up against a team like the Warriors or a team like the Lakers if they actually do make it to the plan. And in a situation like that, I think that their their lack of defense is just going to be exposed. They're 25th in defensive rating so far on the season, and... It's a talent issue, so less than a scheme issue, and things like that are just like existential issues where you can't help the fact that you are playing guys like Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton and Keontae George heavy minutes, especially when they're rookies or just small guards. Lakers at Warriors. Golden State wins 128-110, to and for the majority of the second half, keeps a good distance on it. Biggest takeaway, other than this does not inspire any more faith than the very little I already have in the Lakers to win a playoff series, Wiggins looks pretty good. Keep an eye on it. He scored 20 points last night, looked good on both ends, had one monster uh, two-way possession where he blocks Davis from behind and gets a layup on the other end. Wigan is shooting 48% from three this month, and I believe shot well in this game as well. I think two for five. Just watch it because if he alongside Kaminga breaking out and Curry still being Curry, plus Clay seeming to actually embrace his bench role, 
this is back to being a that seven six team that if you're a team like the Clippers would be a huge pain in the ass. Final game of the night: Spurs at Kings. Don't watch games like this either. Does Wemby stay healthy and somehow continue to get better in season? He nearly had a five by five, so I think that answers that question. And then the, can the Kings find an identif- identity in the form of a more dominant offense? Because I certainly don't think any of us think that's going to come on defense. They're still middle of the pack. Like, again, 32 and 23 and outperforming their record as they did last year in a lot of ways, not to the same degree. But more nights like this, I guess, just continue to run it up, lean in farther. Um, I have nothing to add only because, again, it's a team that I don't have significant aspirations for, but took care of business. Devin Vassell scored 32 points and was a minus four. I, I kind of like him as a Jordan Clarkson. I just wish that he didn't play with someone like Wemby because just Trey Jones shoveling it to him so that he gets his 20 points in like 24 minutes is all I really want to see. Not um, questionable pick and pops between the two where it's more of a pick and then Vassell runs as fast as he can to the mid range. All right, we're going to be back in just a moment jump over to some QB news, and then our mock draft. Coming back. So, before we get into draft talk, prospect talk, doing a little mock two months prior to the actual event in Detroit, there's been a lot of QB news and shifting implied odds for where does QBX play his first snap of the season next year, and those calculations have thrown a wrench into draft evaluation and just an underlying curiosity to what's going to happen, particularly in the case of a few teams and players. So the big one and the most pertinent one here is Justin Fields, who unfollowed the Bears on Twitter, Instagram, one of them, and then recently went on to a a podcast with both of the St. Browns, Equinemius and Amon Ra, which I didn't know existed. Also, Amon Ra, pretty good at it, I gotta say. They were both fine, but I thought Amon Ra was doing, was was kind of caring. Uh, but point being that Fields deflected by saying that he just didn't want to see any more trade talk and has since, and like, quote, just wants it to be over. I understand, but it also does sort of ring of, you know, unfollowing her right before you go to Scottsdale for the weekend. You know what I mean? So it's become very implied, both through odds online, which feels kind of like the tail wagging the dog where it should be more so analysis and rumors and all that that informs odds and lines where players are going to end up. But the reality is that unless you are one of those insiders, and even those guys don't know for sure, you kind of just have to take what you can get here. So right now, it seems most likely in his favor that he's going to end up on the Falcons. And I think this has been at the front of everyone's mind since the season ended, ever since that Packers game where it feels like the tide definitely shifted a lot more towards Caleb. He is currently, I think, an actual minus favorite to end up there. And it makes perfect sense because he, you know, Georgia, 
then transferred to Ohio State before actually getting drafted to Chicago. It's a homecoming. Georgia let him leave once. I think that they would be desperate to get him back. Do you think that he would fit in there? Do I think Caleb Williams? Do I, do you think Justin Fields fits in Atlanta? Mm, yeah, I do. Yeah, I think he fit even more when Arthur Smith was uh, the coach there. So that's that's the interesting thing because, ironically enough, the other, I think, primary team in on him is the Steelers, who have Arthur Smith now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So... As as a a fan of a rival team, how would you feel about Justin Fields getting traded to the Steelers? Um, Man, I mean, I wouldn't love it because I like rooting for Justin Fields, but I don't think that they'll do that, the Steelers. Why not? Uh, I just keep thinking back to the press conference where uh, Mike Tomlin was like, yes, we do have our QB next year in the room. And I think he's... (laughs) He's, ta- I, he's talking out of his ass. Maybe like, maybe it's wishful thinking, but I think that they're going to go into the season with with Mason Rudolph. What's he supposed it. to d- say? Yeah, Kenny sucks. We're going to definitely replace him. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Even if it's like it's pretty obvious, unless you're Rick Pitino and talking about how much your players suck and how athletic they are, they're not going to say, oh, yeah, we're definitely looking uh, in a different direction. I mean, they could say it'll be a competition, but Mason Rudolph is leaving. So, like, they can't say that. Uh, they're going to bring back Duck Hodges just to give him some run. On the other side, the tide continues to move in the direction of Caleb being the number one pick. I think while I was while I was typing this out, he was a minus 900 favorite to actually end up on the Bears, which, again... Only can really look at the tea leaves, and we still have the combine, and then all of mid March, early April, mid misinformation season, where I am two hundred percent sure we will get a. The Bears are considering Jaden Daniels at number one rumor. I will hundred percent book it. It's gonna happen, but I I feel very confident in that at the moment. Other older options, Russell Wilson. Similar talking points, but I think he ends up on the Steelers. It's also one of his favorite locations by the same tracking that we've been doing for Fields. Having a vet would probably pair better with Tomlin, especially after the years that we just had with Kenny Pickett, where I think that with quarterbacks with a minimum of, I think, like 500 passing attempts, he has the worst, like, passing touchdown rate of any quarterback ever where I think it was that Justin Fields again someone that we've belabored the point on has like three times the touchdowns that Kenny Pickett does it's it's pretty disheartening I think that that would be a better option than someone like Knicks or Penix but also getting Wilson especially if it's something like a two-year deal where the first year is guaranteed it gives you the option of drafting someone like Nix or Penix, even if they're an older guy, and just saying to Russ, it's like, hey, you have a year, maybe two, but this guy's going to be right here. And what's he going to say? No? He's getting outcast from Denver. It is important to know that he has not actually been released yet. It needs to be done as a pre-June 1st cut, I believe, because if they do it that way, it's 35 35- Point four million in dead cap in 24 and then 53 in 2025 which is 
astronomical by itself, but somehow actually gets worse if they don't cut him by then. It seems inevitable. I mean, they're going to shop it around and see if they can they can get some amount of package for him, but do you think that teams should want Russell Wilson? Uh, yeah, no. I think that he showed a lot of promise, actually, during this season, given... Certainly more than prior to Peyton. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know if Peyton really attributed to much of that success or if he was just, you know, doing his thing in his element again, but I, I think that you know, starting quarterbacks of his caliber are still really hard to come by. And even if he's not what his former self was, I, a lot of teams aren't really in a position where they're able to get very much better for what he is. And some teams are just like one quarterback like that away from a reliable playoff spot. So I think if I'm, yeah, like you said, the, the Raiders, the Steelers, the, Man, the Vikings, if they lose Cousins, I mean, yeah. I would, yeah, I would definitely take Russ. The Vikings are a weird one because they are dependent on whether or not they actually lose Cousins. Mm-hmm. Because if they do, that changes the whole carousel. Because if you're a veteran QB looking for a spot, there's a lot, a lot worse things to have than Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. So I think that a lot of guys, even Russ included, might honestly prefer there over Pittsburgh considering who that they have to throw to, but they are also have to hold serve and like just be in a, in a waiting pattern until they know what the Vikings are doing. And so until that point, we just kind of have to wait and guess. Cause I mean, we, we have to talk about cousins too, because if he's not with the Vikings, where does he go? It seems like somewhere like the Raiders, especially after they cut Jimmy G, long live AOC. But he is not the uh, he is not the solution going forward. But he has a bridge, especially as Cousins has to come back from the Achilles. He will absolutely have a spot on the Vikings, and it seems that they like him. And I thought that he was playing well up until the point he got hurt this year, even if the Vikings overall regressed from that aberrational 12-win season. They are in the best position for him. And I mean, like, I guess you could argue it with the Raiders just because of Devontae and Jacoby Myers, and they have their pick. It's a high one, too. Like, the Raiders are in such an awkward spot where it's the middle of the draft, and so they could get someone like Knicks or Penix. But if they're not ready to go right away and you're just rocking with Aiden O'Connell again in a roster that's not getting any younger, does Cousins even make sense for them? For the Raiders. I mean, yeah, no, you you make a good point. They already kind of did what, you know, the same effect with that, with the Jimmy G. I mean, they were hoping to get, like, Cousins-esque mm-hmm. production, and that didn't work, so I think that they're definitely uh, contenders to lean towards a more younger direction. Uh, one bold prediction I have, the more I think about it, though, is I could see uh, Russell Wilson going to the Patriots. I think that that would be a good fit. So that's spoiler here. Like looking at the Patriots drafting Marvin Harrison, for example, and then getting a backup QB because it can't be Zappy and it can't be Mac Jones. It 
it would just be unthinkable to go into next year, even as bridge guys. It, I also struggle with it, and it's why I do think that Daniels might just end up going there after all, is that next year isn't great for QBs because your, your top guys, things change over the course of an offseason and into next season. Your top guys are what? Carson Beck, Shadur Sanders? Like, not exactly Williams, May, Lawrence, Andrew Luck type guys. And then you can get them a year later, but you have a new coach in Gerard Mayo who is very much ingrained in the organization. So one could say that they would be willing to give him more time and the leeway to draft a receiver and sign a guy like Wilson. But, like, what's their ceiling of wins if they have Russell Wilson? I think, like... If they could, you know, re- reassemble that defense like it was the year prior, I, I think they have a real a real good team brewing. Like, I had them... Uh, but they don't have Matthew Slater. Oh, man, I forgot. <laughs> they don't have Big Bill at the helms. No, whatever. But I, I really think that they could put something together on defense. I like a lot of their guys. I like Kyle Duggar a lot, Julius... Or Jabril, not Julius Peppers. I think Duggar is a free agent. But oh my God, really? Yeah. Jeez, man. he's a good acquisition for whoever gets him. But I don't, uh, try to I don't know. I did I say Matt Judon? I don't want to repeat no, myself. No, but like Judon again. Yeah, like Judon was hurt a lot of last year. I think that defense is going to be really good. Yeah. No. So I'm. I'm just saying, like they have some good foundational, foundational pieces. I mean, Ramondre Stevens coming back. Stevenson, goddamn, but uh, yeah, no. If they oh, could, you know, you know what the funny, you know what the right answer is, and the funniest one. What? Jimmy. Jimmy G to the Patriots. He's coming home. No, dude, not for the first four weeks. He's not. Bill leaves and Garoppolo comes back. He's gonna be so mad. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, he's at least not playing the first four games. I don't know where the hell he's gonna go. Maybe to the USFL. <laughs> I think he'll get signed as a backup, but no, I I do like that. And someone like Russ might be just what we know about him as a character might be into the uh, institutional fortitude of the Patriots. Yeah, no, exactly. That's what made me kind of draw the the match between the two because Russ is kind of just like a bot personality. It's pretty much exactly what... (laughs) the Patriots would look for in a quarterback. I don't know if that's going to change now that Bill Belichick is gone, but we'll see. Because they don't have a bot at the helm. Yeah, a uh, bot pulling the strings. I think that if you're going to do that, it's it should it needs to be Russell Cousins, a guy that can get you through hopefully two years. Because yeah. you're probably not getting the guy next year, and if you want to take Harrison just so you have someone for your quarterback to throw to, and then continue to add around him. I mean, like, Demario Douglas is fine. He's a fine wide receiver, but he's the only guy with any actual juice there. So I think that's what's going to happen, frankly. I think that they're going to try and bridge the gap and take Marvin Harrison, but I am just curious to see how willing QBs are going to go there without Bill Belichick. That is all. Hmm. All right. Who ends on, up on the most counterproductive contract or team of those guys? Of those guys, man. Okay. Throw Jimmy in there, too, if you want. 
Well, I don't think Jimmy will be counterproductive anymore. I, I think that he could end up on like the Panthers and be kind of like a valuable asset sure. to a younger guy who's got some struggles going on. I don't, that is if uh, Andy Dalton. I was going to say there. more helpful than Dalton. Yeah. I, I think he could be. Yeah. I mean, he's got Super Bowl experience. So that is misleading. <laughs> it's true, though. But uh, I think most counterproductive out of those guys, definitely not Fields. I. What about his extension? Uh, shoot. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to say Russell. I had no hate to Russell Wilson because I was kind of just defending him a second ago, but it's it's hard to trust him after the performance that he just had with his last contract. Uh, I don't know. I I'm a Kirk Cousins believer to a kind of a capacity. He's a really really tough guy, and he has a lot of longevity with his career, given that he's just like a pocket pocket kind of guy. He doesn't really lose any of his game, like. Just watch that clip of him tearing his Achilles, thinking oh. that he uh, could still play because he's like, "Oh, I'm a pocket guy. I could still stand in there even if my uh, my ankle's not the best." It's just like I don't know. I have a lot of faith that he could prolong his career uh, to a large extent, and he could do it at another team in another location. Uh, I'm not sure if he leaves the Vikings, like you said. Uh, I mean, I know you think that he might stay on the Vikings and that's very possible because you know sometimes things turn out to be less interesting than we would like as fans but um yeah I think anywhere he goes he's got another five good years in him at least I would tend to agree I mean he's he's sneaky old I think he's 35 or maybe even 36 yeah no I know he's getting up there like he got drafted the same year as Robert Griffin the third he did so I mean, and Andrew Luck, who's been retired for a minute now. So, so yeah, I would tend to agree. Um, I think Russ has a purpose, but it is over a shorter window than either the other two. I would just be watchful of Fields' extension for whoever he ends up on, whether that's the Bears or anyone else. Well, A, if he stays on the Bears, he has all the leverage and is going to get $40 million. And if he is on Pittsburgh or Atlanta, I think that number goes down. It's just by how much. Because you would think he gets Daniel Jones money, at the least. If it's over a short term. That stupid-ass contract fucked everything up. It makes It's like the Rudy Gobert deal in the NBA where it's just like, look what they got for, for him. We want five for us. It's like, no. Same principle where Daniel Jones got $45 million, and I think that's entirely valid in a lot of ways. It, it's apples to oranges when you're talking long-term extensions and because the Giants just didn't want to use the franchise tag on him and instead on Saquon, but he will try to at least approach it. And for a guy that I think even coming into his fourth year now that we still have questions on, that is kind of insane. But regardless... Moving to the actual meat and potatoes here. Credit to NFLMockDraftDatabase.com for doing, a, they do this every year. It's a composite rankings of like a hundred different big boards, hundreds of mocks to aggregate the ranking of players within a class and try to take a sweeping overview. I think we should overview uh, or 
provide a, a notice that this is pre-combine. And this I feel is like pre-combine. This will change, and that's why it's like just a look at the top, and things are going to change a ton. Yeah, no, and I assume that we'll have a, another kind of similar discussion after that happens. There's always some good stories that come out of the combine. Whether it, like a former Raven, then Chief, then Bengal, where Orlando Brown Jr., I think was like a projected first rounder before the combine. And that's the one that always jumps to my mind. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one that jumps to my mind is, I mean, this isn't the com. Well, I think he did do some crazy stuff at the combine, but Zach Wilson fooling the world and that kind of combine time period. I hope that one of these quarterbacks does the same thing. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, what's I, the word? I have a Zach Wilson comp. It's a little cynical of me to, think it's funny but i think that people just got fooled by his arm talent yeah and thought like his variability in arm angles also meant that he could whip it whenever he wanted and that wasn't always the case and again i have a guy who i think fits that mold but we're gonna run it from one to 15 to start and just give a quick note on each of these guys if you're paying attention, you probably know who each are, but just to run it down first, Caleb Williams, quarterback, USC. Uh, I think you'll appreciate this. Give Jalen Hurts a personality and a Mr. Fantastic arm, and you're pretty close. Yeah. I, th I think that as a runner, especially because he's probably, if nothing changes, considering where he's going to end up, people want to compare him as a runner to different guys too because he is a good athlete. I think Hurts is the most apt comparison as like a tr true runner but like he's shifty in like a Favre Rogers kind of way when he's back there even as he's doing stuff that I would not say are fundamentally sound when he gets out of the pocket and is trying to dip dive duck and dodge it's impressive even if he's not the fastest guy which is also how I would describe Hertz so that combined with the fact that he can sincerely in a way that Zach Wilson couldn't uh, get out and whip it like underhanded behind his back 50 yards is certainly unique. Number two, Drake May, QB UNC, keeps his eyes downfield. Again, is another just excellent mover within the pocket and is, I, I, this is why we need to wait for the combine because I will set a timer from when those players set foot on the field in Indianapolis before there's a sneaky fast tweet about Drake May because he is quick. He is quicker than me. I think it's going to be a lot like the way people were shocked with how well Lawrence could run once he got into the league. But I think that he has more effort to his game than some people are giving it credit for where it is some of that Josh Allen. I'm going to hang in here until I can hit the perfect throw or Sometimes I see a little bit of like a Dak crossed with Justin Herbert where it's good within structure, but I think that he, again, unlike Herbert, is willing to just try some shit. It's not always a good idea, but he is actually willing to. Uh, third, we have Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver, OSU. He's literally born to catch passes. Uh, only nitpick might be that he has concentration drops sometimes. 
and that he might not be the best contested catch receiver in the class, but he might be also. He is the greatest at everything else. He is an undeniable true X. He's six freaking four on top of it all, too, and will probably run either a 4-4 or just under it. This is where, to your point, like this is where guys like this, where people want to to put other guys above him just for the sake of conversation and want to talk about Jaden Daniels and even guys like Neighbors and Brock Bowers. But like when it gets to the actual testing of it all and Marvin Harrison is top 10 percentile in everything alongside everything else, it's just going to be freaky. What would you do for Marvin Harrison Jr.? <laughs> oh my god, that sounded a little <laughs> bit the way that you phrased that. I know so. what I said. <laughs> and I uh, meant it. As yeah, I mean, the Ravens don't need a young receiver as much, but if I'm one of these teams, man, I, man, I'd kill for him. I mean, like, I'd take him over. Like, in some situations, I'd take him over both the quarterbacks. He's just like a generational prospect, and might be like the mo the generational prospect in this draft i mean it's just the fact that quarterback is a more important position obviously but i think you can give two true number one overall pick grades in the draft this year and i think it's caleb and i think it's marvin harrison i just think that you i think if you take positional value out of it which you can't it's it's marvin and it's at least a little gap after that. I think that he's the the one that I could say with the most confidence that it's like impossible to bust with drafting Marvin Harrison. Barring injury, barring something unforeseen, all the caveats implied, but yes. I don't like the way I phrased that, but you, Under, you understand I, what I, I meant. I saw you try to correct it on the end of it, and I appreciate it. Uh, fourth, again, this is composite, not necessarily how... We feel, but Jaden Daniels, quarterback, LSU, won the Heisman in his senior season. He he's what people he's what people want Fields to be, and I think that another valid comparison in that sense is RG three, or like hit the speed up button on like who are quarterbacks other than Fields who just like have no regard for their safety. Run the option. Um ooh, well, Josh Allen. Allen, but it, they're not the same kind of players. Jan Daniels is shorter and cannot hit the intermediate in the same oh way Allen God. can. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to say Geno Smith. Uh, Geno gets lit up though. Yeah, no. That's what I'm saying. Point being Again, crazy fast throws an amazing deep ball and yeah, that's why I didn't want to say Geno Smith. <laughs> sure. He he maintains his speed throughout the entirety of his run too, so it's not just acceleration. He's an incredibly impressive athlete, but as we will get to in a minute, I have my thoughts just behind him his teammate LSU fifth Malik Neighbors turbo speed. I think he's going to be the fastest of these top of the first round or even first round in general wide receivers. He occasionally struggles with catching through contact. I think that if he improves at that and tightens his brakes even more once he gets to the league, there is a world where he is better than Harrison. And I do not mean that as heresy. I mean that Neighbors is just that good of an athlete that if he hits 
his 100th percentile outcome and Marvin Harrison hits his 93rd, that they might be even. And that's just a credit to his raw talent and why guys like that go that high. Sixth, Brock Bowers. Uh, one comparison I see a lot is Dallas Clark, but also just like white, slightly slower Kyle Pitts. Um, again, easy comparison as the last tight end to go this high, but he was such a fulcrum of Georgia's offense in his final year there and never looked unimpressive. Roma Dunes, a seventh wide receiver out of Washington. I want him on my team so bad. Outstanding ball tracking and athleticism. He might just be a slightly different or slightly slower version of Neighbors and then a less heralded version of Harrison. There's differences here, and I think that Harrison showed a little bit more uh, versatility on different areas of the field where I think Rome was best in intermediate to the long ball, which, again, is inarguably the most important. After the catch, he's also impressive. That also might be one area where Harrison struggles. It's just such a fine line between these guys where I personally have Rome above Malik Neighbors. No offense to these composites, but just as a complete receiver, I think that he is just a tick below because everything he is really good at, Marvin Harrison is really good or great at. And that's no disrespect to him. That still makes him one of the five to seven most valuable players in the draft. Eighth, Joe Alt, offensive tackle of Notre Dame. He is just a, like, stone outhouse made human where he's six eight three full years of experience at tackle for notre dame allowed four sacks in the last three years combined even when he makes mistakes in pass pro he's just able to set his big ass feet down and lock in in a way that's really impressive considering his size he's still 315 pounds but he doesn't get knocked off balance despite being that tall. And I think that is the greatest acknowledgement of his ability that you can say when you're that big and don't get knocked off your base. Dallas Turner, edge, Alabama. He's young. He's very sudden as an athlete, high pedigree. He just weighs 242 pounds. So I have questions against the run. Everything else I do not. Uh, Olufashanu, tackle Penn State, 10th. I have, again, questions in run sets, but just like all... When he digs his heels in and not his heels literally, but digs in and anchors, uh, good luck. Even against NFL rushers, I think that he will come in and be a solid pass protector. It's just if he gets pushed around in every other aspect, which again is a is a team focused fit. So if you are less concerned about zone running and getting your guy out in space to do that work, then he is perfect for you. Darian Arnold, cornerback, Alabama 11. Struggled against a tougher competition, Georgia, Tennessee, and Michigan, and was much better in zone than man, but he is big and is athletic and continues to rise in a way that I think will be supported by his numbers at the Combine. His teammate is named Kool-Aid, so he's also exciting, but arms better. What? How could you say that about Kool-Aid? Kool-Aid McKinstry. He's in my, he's in my top 10 mock. Nice. Jared Verse. No, hey, they're both great. Yeah. Uh, Jared Verse, 
edge florida state neither here nor there i he's maybe lost a little steam stock wise just relative to the other edge rushers uh a lot of the same things that we're going to hear about this next guy 213 fly out to if i can actually say his name correctly Latu's thing is health concerns, but he is always active and doesn't have a ton of losing reps, even if he doesn't always actually make it to the QB. And then Verse, it's a little bit more of a hit or miss, but I think that he still has the same athletic upside, if not always the same developed pass rush plan. Talise Fuaga, offensive tackle, Oregon State, 14th. Run blocking Mahler with the size to develop on the outside at 6'6". Uh, he just needs to add weight. And then 15th, and probably the biggest riser since certainly the senior bowl, but over the last few weeks, Quinion Mitchell, cornerback out of Toledo. Man-to-man monster who is soaring and is going to test crazy well in a way that I think keeps him up here and has him pushing guys like Arnold or Nate Wiggins or Cooper DeGene for uh, DB1-2, wherever he ends up slotting in at. Not listed in there, but worth mentioning, Nate Wiggins, Clemson, might just be cornerback one once it's all said and done. J.C. Latham, offensive tackle, Alabama, he's 21 and freaking huge. Cooper DeGene, cornerback, Iowa. I I think that we're going to hear an unnatural amount of talk about Jason Seahorn over the next two months because of, of Mr. DeGene, but he is not a safety is all I will put out there for now. Brian Thomas, wide receiver, LSU. Huge, fast, and I think we'll get even more looks as people start to look more into Malik Neighbors. And then Amarius Mims and Jackson Powers Johnson are an offensive tackle and center from Georgia and Oregon specifically. We do not have to get into the line play nitty-gritty, but they are two guys that I think are continuing to get more buzz from everything I have read. And then finally... J.J. McCarthy, who, forgive me for uh, not having the reporter's name in front of me, but was purported to have buzz as a top 12 pick. Brendan, do you have thoughts before I have my thoughts? If there's a Zach Wilson comp. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. It's, It's J.J. McCarthy. Um, Not just because they're both weird, but like, I, again, I think the thing with Wilson is that people overestimated his arm talent when things were good. He was playing at BYU against college competition, and his arm talent was able to show because he's able to set and fire. And when everything is ideal, the man has a rocket. Even in the league, like, willing, oh, not Jesus Christ. Wilson has had moments where he whips the ball on just some prayer deep ball, and because his receiver got lucky, he was able to get under it in a way that was kind of impressive, but it does not have the same zip as a Josh Allen or a Mahomes, which is what they compared him to. I personally, with my concerns about his actual arm strength when he is outside of the pocket and the fact that even on a college national championship team, he was not trusted to be that guy. I so struggle to see him as a first rounder. Again, like I don't want to overstate that because 
I think that Michigan just didn't need him to do that, and that's not necessarily his fault. But it's a combination of accuracy and arm talent. I I don't see enough of either. Mm, I don't see anything. I don't get it. <laughs> I think that he will be a first-rounder, though, just th- knowing these NFL teams. Well, here's my thing, though, because we do this sometimes. I, I think that I'm scarred from the draft of Kenny Pickett, and then it's Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis dropping to the third and fourth rounds, mm. where sometimes I just see stuff like this, and I completely hand-wave it. Or he even Will Levis last year, where it's like Levis might go number one, and then he drops to the second round. Yeah, it could be one of those cases where it's like he either goes like 11th overall or just drops down to like the fourth round. (laughs) I mean, who knows? Because I did the exercise. He's not going in the top. I I would be so shocked if any of Carolina or Jesus Christ, Chicago, Washington, sorry, Carolina, New England, the Giants, there's no way. I mean... What, Atlanta? No. They would so much rather have any of those vets, I think, than J.J. McCarthy at eight. And then when you get down to it, if Minnesota doesn't have Kirk and at 11, that's so rich. Denver at 12, Oakland at 13, and then it's like, who the rest of the way? Do the Rams want him as a backup and like a developmental guy, more so than Stetson Bennett, who I think actually might be leaving? Stetson Bennett and uh, J.J. McCarthy quarterback room would be literally nightmare blunt rotation. They could not be more different (laughs) where it's Stetson Bennett is like a super duper 27 year old senior and McCarthy, I think, is only 21, 22. And also just everything we heard about Bennett, like barely being able to graduate at Georgia and McCarthy being a, a Zen meditation on the field kind of guy and then Matt Stafford I would I would pay for the hard knocks there <laughs> exactly and then the rest of the way like it's all just grasping at straws like if you're Cleveland or someone in the second or third round and want him as insurance for Watson more so than DTR I'm down with that but I more so wanted to jump out in front of it and say I will continue to look into McCarthy but I I just don't see it. I do not see the level of arm talent necessary to justify a pick that high or anything in the terms of, I don't want to say I don't see it on tape, but like there's a reason it's shocking to, to a lot of the people that read it. Okay. Without further ado, I have a top 10 here. We'll stop for a second and Brendan, you can give your thoughts or tell me why you think I'm wrong, but First, two elephants in the room here. One, I think we both have settled on the fields is gone. Me and you? Yes. No. You have not. No, I have not. Actually, I I did my top 10 with uh, trades. And oh, I don't okay. know. Do you Who's, want me to go first or you yeah, go you first? You should go first then because I don't have yours in front of me. Yeah. Okay. Actually, you do. I, I put it at the bottom. Okay. I'm not going to scroll down then. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. So I did two trades in mine. Okay. Uh, First overall, I tr- I uh, had the Raiders trading up because I think that Raiders and Caleb Williams I think is a good mix. They're both you know diva super 
over the top ass personalities. I think he would be a good fit in Vegas. <laughs> and, you know, they need to do something drastic. Their last season was pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> and they did an overhaul. I think that this would be the way to go in terms of a new face. Uh, and then my other trade, uh, I had, what is it? Uh, Falcons trading up to six, and I'll explain why in a second. When we get to, sure. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, second, I have the commies doing uh, Jaden Daniels. I think it makes sense given that they are also a team in need of a new identity. Uh, Sam Howell, unfortunately, didn't pan out. So, yeah. And then the Patriots. Whoa, whoa, we, whoa, whoa. One at a time. Okay. <laughs> I thought I thought you were just gonna let me do my whole thing, and then you were gonna no, go. no. We're gonna we're gonna go piece by piece here, primarily because one, what do the Raiders have to trade to get to one from number thirteen? Oh, that's that's a whole different story. They're gonna have to give a haul for that, but I think they will. Is the thing four picks? The crazy amount, but I think that they're prepared to do it. Like, let's be let's be real. But the rest of that roster is like. Is questionable beyond they don't have a secondary like Crosby is great but their secondary is terrible yeah but their quarterbacks also AOC so they need to, <laughs> they need to start somewhere uh, I completely agree with you there uh, but don't re- disrespect the Purdue legend but <sighs> I I like it I really do because I think that they need to do something more drastic than just sitting and drafting a corner or trading or uh, drafting like Michael Penix or McCarthy. Yeah, I know. They, they do have a plethora of problems, but where else do you QB start? QB is the biggest one. I, I hear you, and I don't hate it. I do kind of hate the commies taking Daniels. Yeah, I don't like it that much either, but I'm seeing stories about... Um, he's he's buoyed by the fact, and like I see Daniels as more of this developmental guy relative to the other two, who I think are very, very good players, obviously. Where him having McLaurin and Dotson and Samuel would help a yeah, lot. Yeah, he has his weapons around him, and I, I see that the commies are doing their homework on him, uh, quote unquote. That's the story going around right now. So I don't know. I could see it. I could see them making the bold pick uh, that might not pan out, given the fact that they are the commies. So no, it's not know. off the wall. I think Kuiper had Daniels at two in his first. I don't see that too. Also because. Washington's line is terrible. Mm. Their offensive line was, I mean, how did he actually, I don't think he actually ended up breaking the sacks record. He got close, but he dropped back so many times and was pressured or hit or sacked enough to almost like make David Carr blush. So I think that that is tough for someone like Daniels, whose work as a player, especially in the NFL, is going to be predicated on him developing his passing game to the middle and short areas. And then I think it's great that he's able to use his speed to escape and burn angles and so on and so forth. But behind that terrible line, he's hurt in like week four. I mean, I'm not super, not nearly as versed as you on this draft class, but... uh. The commies do have two second rounders and two third rounders. So I think, you know, if you're a good franchise, which the commanders are not, I they you you are expected to land some starters in those rounds. So that's four starters, assuming they land all the picks. So 
I think if at least two of those are O-linemen, you, you could make something there. You could build something, like, really good. I think my thing with May, okay, well, out in front, I, Bears taking Caleb at one, and Kami's taking May at two. Uh, the thing with May and his play style and that ability to work under pressure and keep his eyes downfield and operate in that questionable North Carolina offense that he drug to a top 25 ranking for most of the year, I think that that actually benefits him even in a crappy situation like North Carolina or Jesus, like um, like Washington, where I think like Stroud this past year, where even though his line was hurt to high heaven, played remarkably well given the circumstances, but injured for much of the season, it didn't matter. And even though he was pressured and had guys on his back while throwing a lot of the time, he was still able to put up incredible numbers and was on pace if he didn't get injured to lead the league in passing yards. I think May has that style of play in him. Mm. And I think that that alongside, I know Herbert is the the big comp for him, but I like Stroud. Okay. Because that's what I see. And I think that he can operate in that kind of system better than someone like Daniels. But again... The athleticism is scary, and I think that he is going to run in the four threes. Mm-hmm. And even that will, like, make me drool. Oof. Yeah. Four three quarterback? Crazy. Right. I wish, mean, makes you me have one, wish that Lamar ran that, that 40. He would have ran in the four threes. I don't know what it would have been, but. All right. Uh, New England. I've got Marvin Harrison Jr., which. So do I. Yeah. I, I think we already kind of went over that, the fit there, and what, what. Uh, having a pass catcher like him could mean uh four I have Joe Alt is the offensive okay. tackle so I thought about that too um because I think that Johnson wasn't a disaster by any means but Paris Johnson who they who they took last year but that's someone that they could kick in to guard and have someone with true size true six eight like big beefy size and Joe all out there and that only serves to help Kyler recuperate after coming back midseason. Mm. Yeah, and, that was my thinking pretty much. I mean, yeah. Cardinals line has been abysmal for a while, so you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta start dedicating some of these picks. I don't know. It, it could go a different direction. Obviously, uh, and my next pick, I, which whoa, is kind of whoa, 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 well, no, no, it just I it didn't ca- I didn't choose alt though. It kind of leads into my next pick, which is. The Chargers taking Dallas Turner. I think really that, okay. It's okay, okay, okay. Before I think that, it could go either way. Is what I'm saying. The Cardinals could pick either him or Alt. I said the Cardinals were going to take a Dunze. Dunze. Oh, the Washington receiver. Okay. Because I do, I do think that they are. I mean, Kyler looked. I thought pretty decent uh, coming last year. Yeah, I like Kyler a lot. I think that they would be wise to build around. Him. And to me, Rome is your best facsimile to Harrison. It's just a slightly larger opportunity for failure because he is not quite the everything that Marvin Harrison is and will occasionally have mitts lapses that you saw less from him. Hmm. That said, he's like 6'3", 215, an amazing athlete and great at everything you want from a receiver. So... I think Arizona would be completely fine with that. Now, in a case where New England takes Daniels at three and Harrison is four, I think they do that too. But I think Adunze is good enough that they're willing to do that 
over alt who is not the most like is a brick wall but not necessarily a mauler in the same way some of these guys lower down in the draft like latham or like um or cat out of oklahoma state are ah i didn't want to attempt the name okay i didn't want to mess it up again um so i see you have at five you have brock bowers i have bowers because of greg roman Okay. Yeah, no, that actually makes a lot of sense. I completely forgot about that. I should have I should have known. Because I would have put I th- I mean I thought about neighbors too, but I would have put neighbors sincerely if they did not hire Greg Roman. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I could see that too. They're kind of going to be like low key thin at wide receiver given that Keenan Allen is very old. <laughs> not to sugarcoat it or anything. He's getting uh, up there. I see Mike Williams being a cap cut because he's got an abominable cap hit I think coming it was, up. I think it was like those two combined are forty three million. And and Quinn Johnson just stinks. It isn't a receiver. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, now that you mentioned it, they very well could pick a, a wide receiver here. I had them picking an edge because uh I think that they'll you know, cut ties with Khalil Mack. And mm. I've heard heard some talks about the same going for Joey Bosa. For Bosa, too, where, like, trade rumors around him, too. So I'm that, that's assuming that one of them goes, at I, least. I also think Harbaugh coming in is going to necessitate a, a reconstruction of that defense around... Everyone is, everyone is gone except Derwin and Asante Samuel. Which, is, which are some great building pieces. I mean, yeah, which is a good start to the secondary, but pretty much everything else that isn't nailed down can go. Even Bosa hasn't been the same guy as he yeah, was earlier on. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. So, mm-hmm. you know, if he gets relocated and assuming Khalil Mack does as well, um, could definitely see them taking an edge. And then number six is where I have. Let me talk about Bowers. Okay. Well, I have Bowers coming up, so. I'll, I'll Do you have you... him to the Giants? No, I have him to the Titans. Okay, we'll get to it. But. Bowers, as that move receiving tight end and someone who I assume will be less disappointing than Gerald Everett, comes in and does provide a little bit more depth to that offense is not the spacer that Neighbors is. And again, I think that I might be wrong anyway, and they just see pragmatically that they need a guy like that. But I also think of it from the front office perspective, where... Like, to get to this point, not that we are personally not prideful people, but, like, to be in that position, you certainly are. And to say, after drafting Quentin Johnson last year, I think it would be a tough, tough, tough look inside the building to immediately take another receiver in the top five. Mm, That is something to think about. And you got to think about the fact that Greg Roman is salivating at this prospect right now. Plus, plus... (sighs) Stop. Plus, <laughs> I think that to your point and to the credit of that, I think the top end of Dallas Turner is Joey Bosa at his peak, which is a great player. So, yeah, 100%. All right. So, here I have my second trade, and I think that it's just going to be the Falcons. I, I don't know that these two teams, the Giants and the Titans, would actually pick them, but I think the Falcons will trade up seeing that. Drake May is still on the board, and they need their Dude, guy. I forgot that you hadn't had him. Okay. Yeah, so this is, yeah. you know, obviously assuming that Fields stays with. 
It is. I with, understand. Uh, yeah. The Bears. I mean, if he doesn't go to the Falcons, the Falcons are stuck. With you don't Desmond think Ritter. that the Giants would just sit and take May? I think that they're stupid. You hate Daniel Jones more than maybe anyone I've ever. I met. do, but I think that they're gonna stick with them because they've got that dumbass contract Who that they cares? gave them. I, I think they'll stick with them, and you're going to be surprised, but I'm not going to be because I'm like, wow, they really love this moron. They don't love him. <laughs> I think they do. I think that they're going to try and ride they, him out for another year. They worshipped a fourth-string dude from Jersey because he was able to do something for two games. <laughs> you that think that fans. they wouldn't die for Drake May? That was the fans. Who influenced the team. Yeah, they do. But... I don't know. I think that they'll trade down and keep Daniel Jones as stupid as it is. Oh, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. It's, okay. it's adjacent with what the Giants do. Like, you know it is. I think that they, and for the record, I, I did think about Daniels here too because I do just, I do not believe that they have any faith left in Jones even with that contract. I have them taking neighbors for the sake of whoever is there next. And I think that they pass on Daniels because they don't want another developmental guy. Mm. And the last time that they took a QB six, it didn't go very well. Yep. So who do you have for the, you have Bowers for the Titans? Yeah, pretty much for the same reason. I mean, they're really like thin at tight end. They've got uh, Okonkwo at Chikwanko, who's, yeah. who's a, you know, good athletic specimen. But he's not really like a starting caliber tight end. And if a, a prospect like Brock Bowers falls to you at seven, I mean, you got to take it. It's a positional need. And they probably are in the same boat where it's like uh, the Ravens were with Kyle Hamilton, where it's like, God damn, we didn't expect this prospect to fall to us. But, you know, you got to take the best player off the board. And I think that the Titans are a pretty reasonable organization for the most part. So I think that this They just let... The they did just coach in a long time ago. All right, yeah, that's true. I uh, maybe I gave him a little bit too much credit, but they also suck at drafting. I I think that they'll make this pick and they'll land a good tight end. And then for the Giants pick, which I, uh, you know, I switched it around. Obviously. Let me do mine. Stop jumping ahead of me. I I I want just want to do the Giants one because you already said your Giants one. Okay. I think that they'll take uh Mister Hotshot offensive tackle. You know that. Cat Fashanu, Fashanu, C. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I think that they'll take him. Uh, Evan Neal's a bum, and will be cooking hot dogs and hamburgers. Uh, (laughs) They need an offensive lineman. He's easily the best prospect available at this point. Maybe uh, J.C. Latham potentially. Yeah, but uh, maybe maybe it's not an OT that they need more than like an interior lineman, but. Nonetheless, because they have Thomas out there, at least, yeah. Nonetheless, I could see them trading down for, uh, you know, an offensive tackle no, on the board I, and getting more capital for that two spots. I like that one better, honestly. I I think that the Giants jumping down and getting a little bit of something and still taking one of Fashanu or Alt was great because I mean you have Andrew Thomas, but getting two bookends that you trust certainly more than Evan Neal makes up a little bit for the quarterback play and sets a good foundation for anyone that you want to potentially bring in there. I also would not understate them as a potential fields team Mm. or a Russ team or a Kirk team, even Jimmy, because Danny, 
Daniel Jones has one year left. Like there, and with everything that's happened, unless he has another renaissance, like he did two years ago, which I would be the most surprising thing of this year. I, I would rather have that, or neighbors who I have here. I'm actually jealous of that. I like that trade. Um, but I think adding infrastructure for whatever QB is in there next and for Daniel Jones in the media term. So you can remove any talk of you never gave him enough because mm. I have heard people say that and I don't agree. <laughs> yeah, that's horrendous. That's a horrendous take. Titans at seven. Okay. And this is fence sitting. I originally have Darion Arnold here who I think is going to test great. And I think for someone who is as good at zone as he is, will at least be able to stay on an NFL field and then improving in man-to-man is just mm. a, a pr- natural progression of DBs that I think can actually be done. I think there's a lot of guys that could jump up to the same spot. I think that you could have end up with Nate Wiggins here. I think you could end up even with DeGene here, Kool-Aid himself. <laughs> Sorry. But... I think Arnold not only can come in and be an athletic DB from day one, but has flexibility between outside safety and slot. Yeah, no, I like the pick. Uh, given what you said about his uh, his draft card with his uh, great zone coverage, I think mm. that it's a good fit for the Titans. They they run a lot of zone, and they're also pretty CB needy right now. I don't, I don't know how I feel about Sean Murphy they're every, bunting. They're everything needy. I think adding bunting is good but then you have Arnold on the outside too. And so while your defense is still going to be bad. Yeah, I, I like the pick. It's a good fit for the Titans. I could definitely see them drafting a defenseman mm-hmm. if Bowers doesn't fall to them like I had in mind. I but. think I think they would take Bowers if he got to them too. And then I we already talked about Dallas Turner, but he's been mocked a lot to the Falcons, and I have him in the same spot too. Just I, they have so for so long needed more pass rushing juice outside of outside of Grady Jarrett, since the days of Vic Beasley leading the league in sacks. I think that it is as good a fit as any. If you are more of a Jared Verse or a Laotilatu guy, I don't blame you. I just think that when it's all said and done, Turner is going to test well and be perceived the best by people in the league. Hmm. And then, okay, I'm going to skip you for a second, only to say that I wanted to throw in something like weird because the draft is always weird and you have your Corey Davis's going in the top six or I think five, honestly, um, to the Titans, or you have these weird trades or the Giants drafting Daniel Jones. So I wanted to throw in one weird thing to start, and I figured that it would be more genuine if I did it to my team because them doing something dumb uh, makes me feel bad, but at least seems more genuine. Uh, I have them here, I think realistically, because Vashanu is on the board, or alt for me, that they would take him, but I have them taking Brian Thomas out of LSU. I think that he is a height speed, like, lightning bolt that is going to test well and be seen by a lot of people as they look into Blake Neighbors. I think that people are going to fall in love with him. And I think that he's a guy that's like, oh, I would take Brian Thomas as high as 15. It's going to happen a lot. And then if you're the Bears and Marv, Malik, uh, Neighbors, and Romadunze are all off the board, guys who, frankly, I think they should trade up for, but if they don't, 
and they still insist on a wide receiver rather than tackles they might have questions on, I think that they might fall in love with someone like this and try and get a true like Z to DJ Moore's X. True athletic specimen. I mean, he's 6'4". What Valus Jones was supposed to be. (laughs) I don't know what he was supposed to be, but (laughs) he's... I'd hope that he'd be better than that. An AARP member. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I had initially the Bears choosing, yeah, I'd just put either Kool-Aid or Arnold because I didn't mm-hmm. have any of them going yet at that point. You know, uh, there's no real, like, generational CB prospect in my opinion. So I, I think that, that being said, though, these are both really good prospects, even if uh, – Jalen Johnson doesn't end up leaving. I still think God. that there is a decent, like, I mean, like Stevenson's not bad or anything. He but got a lot better, but they cut Eddie Jackson. I mean, cap casualty is what it is. Brisker's great. And then if you, if you think that one of Stevenson or Arnold, I think Arnold especially could be a great safety and you're willing to rotate those guys, that would be a crazy secondary if he hits. Yeah, I I hate that it's the Bears that I am so unsure of the pick here, but mm. I well I could also, also see him picking neighbors here because I don't have him going yet. Right at this point, if neighbors, I think if neighbors gets that far, that they would take him. That's why I I'm just throwing the Brian Thomas thing against the wall for fun. I also have your your man that you really want him to draft available out of Washington, right? Adunze. Uh, yeah. Oh Romeo. shit! You don't. Okay. Well. Okay. That is a matter of, of preference. There's a lot of people, I think, maybe even over half, have Malik Neighbors above Roma Dunze. And uh, if either of them are there, for the love of God, take them. Yeah, I, I think that they could really go anywhere. I guess what I'm narrowing it down to is, like, a skill position. Like, yeah, I think that's just the difference between what we have, where I have the receivers going higher and you have them going lower. And that's fine. It's just how it worked out. Yeah, I'm, I'm mainly basing this one because it's, like, before the combine and it's like on a like pure draft like what prospects you you know what i mean like they're great uh so i don't know i just have like the more pure non-missable prospects ahead and then i'll just go ahead and knock out my number 10 for the jets because it's just jc latham and Mm. ot it's pretty obvious that they need alignment and they're probably going to draft a little bit boring here. Like I don't see the jets drafting a skill position at this spot. It's either going to be that or maybe strengthening up D line. Like, are there really any good D lineman prospects uh, other than Dallas I mean, Turner? Yeah, again, if we're ta- Jared verse, um, I mean, there's a few like it again. I, I know I've already said the word, said the word, taste too often here but if you are looking for edges there are flawed guys but a lot of them because turner is there but jared verse yeah and i don't see any interior d linemen in the top not like 20 there's not a ton of great guys i would say the best one is byron murphy who played at texas the cornerback not the cornerback <laughs> the the very large d tackle and we've got another he's six one not that big and then uh I hate saying names that I've only read. Jerjon Newton, uh, who plays at Illinois. Like, those yeah. guys are Man, good. that's tough. Would, but would be tough at 10. Yeah, and I, I, That's I, not going to happen. It, it's quibbling a lot to say it's like, oh, I like him at 
18, but not 10. Uh, I think that just especially because Rodgers, no doubt, has influence on this. Like I, in my mock here, I have Alt still available. So they take him. And mm-hmm. Rodgers played four snaps last year. They need to do whatever they can to at least keep him upright to see what he can do for that offense. Yeah, I could also see him like trading down a little bit for a team that is more needy of like a great prospect who slips to this spot. That's not out of the question because I don't know they they don't need anything more than just shoring up O and D line. I don't think. Um, I mean, maybe like a, a safety, but like this, these seem like all positions that they could fulfill. Like in the early second, late first, like those are where the best prospects for those positions. Are especially with be going. how yeah, especially with how good their defense is already. I mean, it. I don't know how much it behooves them to take an edge guy when you have such a short timeline left of Rodgers. That I mean, true. even in your your world here where Rome is available, like, I think they would think about it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they do just have Garrett Wilson, and then if you think about it, it's like, nobody. Right. I mean, I am not an Allen Robinson believer, or <laughs> Allen Lazard, Allen Robinson. I'm not an Allen Robinson not, I'm also <laughs> not an Allen believer Robinson either. Believer. I mean, I'm a believer in them legalized robbing people. Uh, they both got insane contracts for whatever reason. I don't know why, but Alan Lazard is, but, um, Randall Cobb should retire. I, God, I hope he does. Uh, and then who's next? Who's next? Xavier Gibson? The GOAT. (laughs) But I don't know if they draft a a wide receiver two at, at like early first round is my thing. I think that they'd rather go O-line because they've got... Makai Beck, Beckton, who's kind of not good, uh, and like God, is is Elijah Vera Tucker? Vera, Vera Tucker out there. Um, I'm for, he's hurt though. I'm forgetting George something. I'm forgetting his name, but it they desperately need a tackle because yeah. of Beckton. So I agree, and that just seems like the most book it obvious player of the draft. Whether or not they take like Latham or. Um, if Fashanu or all get there. Yeah, maybe I'm just uh, second-guessing because it's so obvious, but I don't know. I could see him trading down. We'll and then for, for me specifically, because I know it's glaring, the only um, big thing that I feel bad about, one, I think that, again, I'm just kind of being different for the sake of it in this first edition. I think the Bears would probably take Fashanu or something like that if they were there or take an edge. Definitely an edge, probably. But... I think uh, ultimately Daniels will probably go in the top 10, but I just don't see him as that player. And I think as we get closer to the draft time and people start to analyze it more and more and more, that there's a real shot that Daniels could fall even as far as Denver or Minnesota. And then I think he would be done. But I think that the him going second and third projections will slowly wean. Do you have anything else to add? No, not right? that I've already added. I just think that the the big shockers in mine, uh, maybe Jaden. I'm just like not sure with the Commanders. I guess like they, I could see him drafting, trading to the one spot, uh, with Chicago and uh, drafting uh Caleb Williams just because they have Cliff Kingsbury now at the helm of the offense, and I could see that it just makes sense, and then. Yeah, I don't know. Jaden Daniels is just kind of the wild card on the board because I really feel like he will go super early. 
and I just I'm not 100 percent on what team it'll be. It's just that I don't know. I th- I think I'm, that his uh his prospect value just will skyrocket day to day as we get closer to the draft. I think it's going to be highly variable. So I agree in that sense. I am just curious to see how much his stock holds as we get closer to the actual decision making time. Yeah, I think that that four three esque kind of uh, mm-hmm. forty is gonna be hard to resist though. People want their Lamars. They want their better versions of fields and you can't blame them because that is a cheat code in and of itself mm. all right thank you very much everyone for listening uh next week on tuesday we are going to have our full mlb baseball preview for the year spring training started last night with the dodgers beating the absolute piss out of the padres uh brendan yes sir do you have anything else to add anything going on this weekend no, I don't. Not not that I know of. I don't know. I'm just kind of playing it by ear. Right on. Well, make sure to check out everything else on the network, on Alethea. Thank you, everyone, very much for listening. Have a great weekend. <laughs>